Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Twins Talk podcast feed and to our show that is still the only show on the feed, but uh, we are back. It's pitched contact. The Twins finally made a move, so they brought us out of retirement. John, what have the last uh, two to three months been like for you? I've uh, been paying attention to a lot of basketball. Nice. Got it's the, pretty, got pretty the Wolves it. in first place. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Finch, hopefully coaching the All-Star game. We'll find out here shortly. Yeah, it but. depends if he uh, beats Houston tonight, I believe, so... Yeah, it's been it's been good. It's been uh, right as baseball hasn't been happening. Basketball has been ramping up. So uh, we're about to get into the busy time of the year, but we're not there yet. So it's good. Yeah, it's 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 the weird lull, right? And it, the twins especially yeah. have been very quiet. Um, I think the last time we talked, the the thing they the move they made was signing Josh Stamont. Did we even talk about that? I don't even know if we if that warranted a podcast from us. <laughs> uh, I think it was mentioned because okay. it just so happened that it happened. I think right around winter meetings or something like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, literally the Twins have done absolutely nothing besides a couple minor league deals. Um. And of course, Joe Maurer elected to the Hall of Fame. It's great. Um. But beyond that, there's been absolutely zero twin stuff. So it's actually kind of fun that they've got a little bit of news as the calendar switches to February. Yeah, on these last couple days here, which is good, I think there'll still be a little bit more as we're leading up to spring training here. But it's not super surprising because this is always how the twins operate, where they want to wait to see how the market settles uh, so that they can find the value where they want to find value, right? So they've always been a little bit later to the game, with the exception being Carlos Correa. And even that, it's like they were technically late to the game because he had to uh, bail out of the first two teams before he came over here. So um, anyway, it's just not terribly surprising, but nothing to podcast about. But now as we're wrapping back, ramping back up into the season, uh, we're a few weeks out here from pitchers and catchers reporting. We'll be back on a more regular schedule. And as we get into the season, then it'll be uh, every week like usual. So we're excited to be back. We're excited to talk and we're excited to uh, break down the Twins moves that they made this week. But first, a few programming reminders. Uh, the first one being you can follow us on Twitter still slash X at Twins Talk Pod. You can follow myself at Ben Jones underscore five. And you can follow John at the John Ka. Uh, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast uh, on your podcast platform of choice and give us a rating if uh, you could. We'd appreciate that as well. Um, today, we'll be going over the two big moves. Jorge Polanco trade, the Carlos Santana signing, uh, what those mean for the Twins right now, what it means going forward, and any future moves that they could entail as well. And we'll probably talk a little bit about Maurer and the uh, TV deal as well, since those are kind of all the big news items that we've gotten over the last uh, couple weeks. So let's start with Jorge Polanco. Start from the top. The first move that kind of got the ball rolling, they traded Jorge Polanco to Seattle uh, in exchange for Anthony DiScalfani, a perfectly fine back-end rotation option, uh, and Justin Topa, a 32-year-old who just finished his rookie year last year but has pretty good numbers out of the bullpen. Uh, so those are the two uh, major league pieces and probably the two most minor pieces of the trade because they also got back uh, Gabriel Gonzalez, who is a maybe top 100 prospect, depending on which uh, ranking you like. MLB has him at 79. A lot of other places don't have him as high. And then they also got Darren Bowen, who is a minor league pitcher who was drafted in 2022, uh, who just perfectly fits the Twins bill for what they like in college pitchers of a tall right-handed guy who they think they can uh, get the velocity to play up from what it was in college. So let's start with that trade. John, where, where do you want to start? What do you want to talk about there? Well, I mean... I think the weird thing that I've seen from a lot of, you know, twins Twitter in the last, what, last few days since the trade was happening is a lot of 
I feel like there's not a lot of like middling opinions. A lot of people are very like <laughs> pro trade or anti trade, but there's yeah. no one like it was okay, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it feels weird to me because I mean, and you were bringing this up, you know, kind of late last season in 2023. It felt inevitable that Jorge Polanco was going to get traded. Yep. And I think we all knew for the most part, like the value of a 30 year old second baseman who has had a little bit of injury issues the past couple seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, I think anyone expecting a starter, even like, let's just say one tier below Sonny Gray was just out of their minds. And then also anyone expecting that the twins would kind of just keep the status quo and, not do anything with their logjam at infield also probably is maybe not completely understanding team construction. So uh, I'm a little confused on why there's so much, I don't know if hates the right word, but just a lot of uh, negative sentiment surrounding this trade, but maybe you have a different opinion. Um, Here's the thing is I can see where the people are coming from. And like a lot of criticism of the twins, I think it's a little unwarranted given how they've been operating the last few years forever for the twins, who knows for how long they're always going to be criticized for being the cheap, whatever. Right. And this Mm -hmm. year, especially they're going to get that criticism again because they're cutting payroll after finally breaking the payroll, uh, the playoff streak and winning the division. And so I think people are sort of viewing this as a payroll saving move and it is in a way but Mm -hmm. it was payroll saving so that they could go and spend that money elsewhere on carlos santana which we'll talk about in a minute sure and so um i I think there's a little bit of that with it i think there's just the fact that jorge polanco has been a mainstay for such a long time people get attached to him right but Mm -hmm. like you were saying he's just super superfluous at this point right where there wasn't even really a clear way for him to start unless you're running him or Julian out at DH every day, which is a little bit of a waste of the DH slot. Yeah. Um, they're, bo- they're both good hitters, but probably not good enough to justify being a full-time DH. And so when you have that in mind, now you trade out Polanco and you get back two uh, big league pieces that you needed right away in a starter who, yeah, you're right, he's not going to replace Sonny Gray, but what he does do is give you a solid four or five guy that gives the depth that they had last year, right? Going into Mm -hmm. last year, uh, both Louis Varland and Bailey Ober started the year at AAA, and guess what? They both spent lots of time in the big leagues because guys get hurt, and they need to do that again because we were one injury away from uh, Simeon Woods Richardson and his 89-mile-an-hour fastball being a regular in the Twins rotation. So, um, you know, it's... For that thing, yeah, Di Scalfani isn't going to be perfect, but he's an excellent back-end option, much better than you know Dylan Bundy or Chris Archer or some of those other guys uh, that we've seen the last few years. And then on top of that, you get Topa, who essentially fills Pagan's role. He's a very different type of pitcher than Pagan, but same thing where it's a mid to maybe back-end in the right scenario type of rotation arm. Um, that the Twins needed. They just needed another reliable guy behind the big four of Duran and Thielbar and Stewart and Jax. So uh, I, I like it overall. And that's even before getting into the two prospects who mm-hmm. maybe you keep them, maybe you flip them, maybe they develop into something, maybe they don't. But either way, it's by almost every like trade evaluation website, it was a pretty handily won trade by the Twins because they also got like six, $7 million of cash on top of it. So um, I, I get it, right? It, it's hard to move on from a guy like Jorge Polanco who had been around forever. He'd been an all-star in the past, but the value that he brings to the twins this year just wasn't that helpful because of Julian and Brooks Lee and Kyle Farmer and uh, Austin Martin even, you know, and so there's just lots of guys that can play second that made Jorge Polanco unneeded at this point. 
Right. And I think the other part too, and, and I, I actually get this part because I kind of maybe agree with them, but you know, there's been some talk about like, Oh, what, you know, why did, why did we re-sign Kyle Farmer then? Right. Why did we go through arbitration with him? Yeah. Uh, Cause we didn't do that. Then maybe Polanco actually has a spot on this team, but uh, you know, uh, to me paying Kyle Farmer, what about six and a half million to kind of be your, uh, super utility player, uh, super utility yeah. platoon with Julian against lefties, exactly. Yeah. As opposed to paying ten million for Jorge Polanco to sit on the bench, also as a super utility, to me that just isn't as uh, you know as good of a situation here. And as much as like we like to dream about, oh, Edward Julian actually as the first baseman of the of, of the Twins, and that move Kir- moving Kirloff out to you know. Uh, left field and the twins were just never going to to do yeah. that um so uh, we saw little flashes of it you know got a little excited about it but i think the twins were firmly in their plan or were firmly putting edward julian at second base uh for the 2024 season yeah and so it just it just made polanco expendable right 10 million yeah. 20 and a half million for this year 12 million option for next year um you might as well ship him off and get something and i think what they got was pretty decent although I will say I'm a little bit probably more down on on Descofani than you. Uh, I, I, in my opinion, Louis Varland should probably start over him. But at least it's not like a done deal that Varland is now the number five starter, right? Yeah. There will be kind of a a competition in spring training to figure out who should take that spot. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, but I think Descofani will pretty much get it unless it's an absolute disaster or he gets hurt because uh, Varland can be sent to AAA, right? Sure. And yeah. so. Um, it just makes it easier, cleaner that way, um, rather than having one of them pitch out of the bullpen. And, you know, then you have a situation where it's like, okay, Jordan Belazovic, is he anything? I don't know, maybe, but he's out of minor league options. And so mm-hmm. you can't send him down. And if you have both of those guys on the big league roster, um, you know, what do you do with that? And so maybe it doesn't matter and they keep them both anyway, because, you know, maybe Belazovic is nothing, but um, it's good to have the optionality. And right, so exactly, yep. Um, whatever you end up doing, whatever direction you take all these guys in their different roles, uh, you have many more options now than you did before. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when you factor in like the cash that Seattle sent over, you're getting him for like four million bucks, not the twelve million salary that I think he normally has. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're you're really not paying much for that. And that's again, it the things the twins needed were either depth or more of a top end guy. The top end guy was likely never going to come. Uh, definitely not in free agency. Maybe there's still a trade out there to be made. Um, so if you can't do that, why not get a guy like Di Scalfani, who is probably not going to be great, but he's also not going to be Dylan Bundy, um, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion. Last year wasn't great, but he was hurt uh, when he was pitching. And so I, I would bet on him being a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, his probably his best season was... Uh, I mean, I want to say it was 2021 when he was with the Giants. Yeah. Started 31 games, 3.17 ERA. Um, you know, 8.2 K per nine, like, you know, decent numbers. Like he's yeah. not necessarily a strikeout artist, but the also good thing is that he doesn't walk a ton of people. So um, very much a bit more of a control guy uh, rather than just a flamethrower who gets people out. Yeah. But hey, you know what it, as a number five starter there, like you said, there are worse options. And uh, he has a really good slider, which the twins obviously love. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe they'll uh, have him rely a little bit more heavily on that and see what happens. But yeah. uh, 
rather than thinking about Di Scalfani replacing Sonny Gray, it's probably better just mentally to think about it more replacing Kenta Maeda, who, yeah, Kenta Maeda was really good down the stretch last year, but there's a reason they didn't let him start the playoffs, right? And when he did pitch out of the bullpen in the one game, didn't go great. So right. um, it, it's probably more in that vein than Sonny Gray. Mm-hmm. Do you have uh, any thoughts on Justin Topa? I think my thought is that uh, the Twins are actually getting some reliever depth instead of relying on minor league guys to fill in those spots, which yeah. I think is just a better situation overall. Uh, because the reality is if Topa does fine as a middle relief, then we don't have to worry about bringing up guys like Simeon's Woods Richardson right. or Jordan Belozovich. Like those guys can maybe develop their stuff a little bit better down in the minors yeah. um, and then actually come up to be legitimate relievers as opposed to just like, you know, with Josh Winder and Cole Sands last year, just kind of bumming around in that last right. spot and not getting any, you know, valuable playing time in the minors. Um, I think to me, it makes a lot of sense to have Topa, to have just more guys who have major league experience as like middle relief dudes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm actually pretty content that they got a guy like Topa who can just fill in that spot. Yeah. If, it was, if he was like the centerpiece, I don't think I'd be as excited, but right. if, yeah. if you're going to, you know, go out and acquire relievers. This is probably a good way to do it where they're essentially throw-ins and trades. Mm-hmm. That's what they did with Pagan too, right? Exactly. Because Chris Paddock yeah. got hurt. Everybody for a long time was like, oh, they traded Taylor Rogers for Pagan. No, they traded Taylor Rogers for Chris Paddock mm-hmm. and then Pagan got thrown in, right? So yeah. it's kind of the same thing where you don't want to go out and spend big money on a reliever because they're so volatile. You don't want to do what they did with Jorge Lopez and give up prospects and have that mm-hmm. come back to bite you. And so this way is kind of a good middle ground of like, hey, to push this deal over the end, throw in this 32-year-old reliever who maybe is a bit of smoke and mirrors, but maybe something. And the Twins could use more guys that are just maybe something. Yeah, uh, 1.9 WPA last year. So he he at least wasn't a negative when he showed up yeah. on the mound. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, this just helps the Twins come June, July. Well, let's just say one of these guys is just not doing super hot. But yeah. instead of calling up, you know, uh, some guy from for the minors who just isn't really that top tier of a reliever, you can move some pieces around that, that are in the bullpen already to take care of that. Um, and then the two minor league pieces, I mentioned Darren Bowen already. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have a lot to say about him right now just because he's so inexperienced. But again, he just very much fits the type of pitcher that Derek Falvey in the scouting department really, really likes. They really like tall, right-handed college pitchers who they think they can get their stuff to play up. That's what Ober and Varland and Festa and down lower in the minors, guys like uh, Kyle Jones, CJ Culpepper, right? They're kind of all in that same vein, and it's gone pretty well for them. Um, but again, he, he's kind of another throw in this. The main prospect piece is Gabriel Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Um, and let, let's talk a little bit about him before we move on. But yeah. Um, he, he's kind of an interesting prospect where he is, uh, a young guy who I think he just reached high a last year. He struggled, but before that at low a, he was crushing the ball. Um, but he is almost the opposite of Emmanuel Rodriguez. If you want to look at someone kind of in a similar vein where Gabriel Gonzalez makes a lot of contact. Uh, he's mm-hmm. kind of bigger. He has a decent amount of power. He doesn't strike out a ton. He doesn't walk a ton versus Rodriguez strikes out a ton, walks a ton, uh, and has the power as well. But there are a little bit of different profiles that way. And then unlike Rodriguez, Gonzalez, um, who they just acquired, he doesn't have the same kind of defensive upside where he's very much a corner outfielder at best, maybe more likely ending up at first base long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what thoughts do you have about Gonzalez at this point? 
Nothing really. I mean, I think he is kind of a, a fringe top 100 pick. Or sorry, top 100 prospect right now. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned, he's 79th right now on MLB dot uh, com's list, um, but he's a little bit outside the slot of some other guys. I know um, Aaron Gleeman put him fourth on his top thirty list um, yeah. for for prospects. So, I mean, if you just go by pedigree, I think there's there's definitely something there for him. Um, I mean, it's not like I've done any true scouting or anything. Yeah. Um, just a quick look at his his Fangraphs page. I mean, some of the things that are interesting that stand out are you know his 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 average in single A last year uh, was 348, and then when he moved up to high A, it was 215. So maybe there's a little bit of like growth there that yeah, you know he'll he'll maybe reach this upcoming season. Um, don't love the high strikeout numbers in high A, 21.5 percent. Uh, that walk rate obviously a little bit lower, but maybe as he you know works on understanding you know pitching at different levels, he doesn't prove in that way. Um, he just seems like a decent guy you know i yeah i'm not saying uh, I, looking at his profile right now which again very limited don't really have a lot of information he kind of looks like a guy who will be like a fringe like third or fourth outfielder which isn't like the worst projection for him you know that that might be his floor um and he might be able to actually perform in a at a better level um yeah in the future but that that's just kind of all i'm seeing right now from you know what i've read from a few different uh a few different people but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything more than that. Yeah, I think if you're looking at comparisons, potentially, mm-hmm. um, Jose Miranda might be a good comparison. Yeah. I was listening mm-hmm. to uh, Baseball America's podcast that they just had about the Twins' top 10 prospects. It came out right after this trade, so they're talking about Gonzalez mm-hmm. uh, and where they would slot him in. and um, Kind of the same thing, like four or five. Me personally, I'd probably put him more at like five below Festa. You have the consensus top three. I have Festa kind of uh, in between and then Gonzalez and a few others below that, but, mm-hmm. um, kind of, they kind of compared him to Miranda, uh, in that he is a little more contact oriented and he's aggressive at the plate, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, but he's not taking that many walks. And so they were actually yeah. joking that, uh, you know, Emmanuel Rodriguez could probably afford to be a little bit more like Gabriel Gonzalez and vice mm-hmm. versa, right? Yes, Whereas yeah. Gonzalez could afford to be a little more patient. Rodriguez could afford to be a little more aggressive. And so if you mm-hmm. get a little bit of a crossover between those two, you have a great prospect. But um, yeah, as it stands, he's kind of in that fringe range, which is where Jose Miranda was. Um, but because of that kind of more aggressive contact uh, approach, I think you can see some of those highs and lows, which is maybe what you saw with single A versus uh, low A versus high A. With him, same thing you saw with Miranda from say 2023 compared to 2020 or 2022 compared to 2023 or 2022. Everything's working. He's driving the ball. He's hitting really well. 2023, okay, he's struggling a little bit, so he's still making a lot of contact. But he's just putting it on the ground. He's making weak contact over and over. And so that's yeah. kind of what they're talking about. Where um, if you have more of a Rodriguez or Julian approach, where you're taking more walks, that just gives you a little bit of a higher floor, uh, which is partly why I think he's such a volatile, such a volatile prospect. Where I think Aaron Logan hanging over at Fangraphs had him like as a 40 plus future value, which is like yeah. a fringe big leaguer right. versus MLB pipeline has him in their top 100. And so it's pretty, people are pretty split on what he'll end up being. Yeah. I, I'll, it, he's only in high A, right? Like there's plenty of time for him to break out. I right. think, you know, Miranda didn't break out until he was in double A, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so there's definitely room to grow there. But as a 20 year old hitting, 18 homers in between single a and high a is, is pretty good. Right. Um, and yeah, it'll, you know, we'll see what happens with him. Um, 
I I don't think there's a ton of uh, ton of projections we can do right now because again, he's yeah. only a 20 year old in, in high A. Yeah, I, I've been working a lot on prospect stuff this off season, mm-hmm. and uh, man, I'll tell you what, I I just live for the day that we get like stat cast data in the low minors. That would be great because yep. I'm like I'm trying to like project out what Emmanuel Rodriguez is going to do, and it's like. Is he, does he have a high strikeout rate and a high walk rate because he's patient or because he's not aggressive enough? And that's something that's easier to tell once you have some more pitch tracking data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, right now, it's just you're pretty limited. So mostly you go off of the limited numbers that we have and then scouting reports from the actual talent evaluators. So yeah. it is what it is. But he's a, I think he's a good piece to get in here, right? And you, when you take the totality of the four different uh, players that they got back for Jorge Polanco, um, I, I think it's a pretty good trade, to be honest. Um, yeah. I, if you're looking at something like this compared to maybe getting one three to four pitcher, right? A number three, number four starter. Mm-hmm. I honestly might take this over that because you have a little bit more of the ceiling you can get out of it. And you can go on and flip Gabriel Gonzalez for something else uh, this offseason or at the trade deadline, right? Yep. And your uh, farm system isn't really hurting because of it. So I, I like it a lot overall. Yeah. I, to me, this is a, this is a good trade. Um, it, it was going to be a weird logjam for the twins. And uh, while, while we always preach depth is a good thing. Um, there's a limit. Ten, there's a limit. 10, yeah. 10.5 million for depth is, is maybe a little too steep for me. <laughs> yeah. And again, especially when like if any of Correa or Julian or Lewis, or maybe even Kirloff gets hurt, um, you have Brooks Lee basically ready to go. And so, um, and that's before talking about some of the other guys like Austin Martin and Junior Severino, who could theoretically fill in at those positions, though maybe not great at this point. You know, you just got so many options, even in the high minors, that are pretty much big league ready. So I, I wouldn't worry about trading Polanco out too much. But from really quick from Seattle's side, then if you want to look at them, oh, why did they give up so much for Polanco? Mm-hmm. Well, they're kind of in an opposite situation of the Twins, where they don't really have any middle infield depth at all. Their top prospects are all kind of more low minors guys. Jerry Depoto over there loves to make trades, and so they're just a little bit thin. And uh, their entire lineup, essentially, other than Jose, or sorry, other than Julio Rodriguez, was not great last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they needed a little bit more offensive consistency, right? And that's what Polanco is always going to bring, right? He's not always going to be this top level hitter, but he's never going to be terrible either. He's going to be a great 800 to 850 OPS uh, if everything goes right. And he's going to play solid defense at second, which frankly is a huge, huge plus for the Mariners who just need some more consistent hitters in their lineup. I will just say if you're a Seattle fan, this it's a pretty decent trade for you too, but I just the offseason overall has been so weird for Seattle. Yeah. So oh, totally. They, and I know they're kind of in a similar position of the twins where it's like they're limited a bit with what they can spend, but they've gone about it in a much weirder way, sending out Kelnick and bringing in Polanco. And here's the thing uh, though. Yeah, it's been very odd. They have a TV contract. So yeah, they at least that's know. true. They don't even have as many excuses as the twins. Yeah, do. they at least know where their buddy is coming from. It's like it's part of it is just Der- Jerry Depoto being a little bit cheap in my opinion but yeah the the trade for the you know not to get too off track but the trade that they made to get uh anthony descofani on their team was hilarious because they traded robbie ray who is you know probably going to be out for most of the season coming back from tommy john uh but they traded him for mitch hanneker and tony descofani so it was like it was a purely just a money thing. They were like, yeah, we don't want to pay contracts. Yeah. We don't want to pay Robbie Ray for another three years. So we're just going to trade him for two guys who are on single contracts. And 
you know, I guess the feel good story is that Mitch Hanniger comes home, but yeah, um, they already weren't willing to pay him last year. But it's kind of funny that they're paying, willing to pay him now. It's just been a baffling offseason for them too. I think the big one too is they didn't offer, they didn't send the qualifying offer to Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, um, and he signed basically for the qualifying offer offer with the Dodgers, right? Meaning, um, maybe he would have accepted it, maybe he wouldn't have. But even if he did accept it, you didn't want that salary. Well, you could trade it to somebody because clearly he had value at twenty million dollars, and right. so exactly. it's. Very, very odd from them in general. And if they did that, I think they're essentially paying Hanniger close to, I think he's at like 16. So yep. is that $4 million you're saving on Hanniger compared to uh, Hernandez that different? Anyways, I would be very frustrated if I'm a Seattle fan, but they did technically get better uh, with Polanco. So good for them. Sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So the last piece of that trade obviously was the cash that Seattle sent over in the yep. deal, basically gave the Twins cash to go out and sign Carlos Santana. Um, so Carlos Santana, we're all fairly familiar with him as Twins fans since he was in Cleveland for so long. Uh, but last year he hit 240, 318, 429 between Pittsburgh and Milwaukee. He hit 23 home runs, 86 RBI. Uh, and more importantly for the Twins uh, in this scenario is he had an 807 OPS against lefties and a 747 against uh, 747 over, overall. 807 against lefties. Basically, he's going to be Kirilov's platoon partner. He'll probably DH a few times throughout the week. He's a perfectly fine part-time player, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, probably the the main thing you can say here is he's got a little bit more power than Solano. Yeah. And maybe a little less contact. But it, even then, I feel like the contact is is probably similar. Um, it's not like drastically different. Um Two, you know, two, I think you mentioned 240 average last season. Uh, yep. And if you look at Solano, I'm pulling up the numbers right now. Um, Solano had a 282 average last year, which is pretty yeah. good, but it was a 391 slug compared to a 429 slug. So, yeah, and, and, and the walks are the other thing, right? Solano doesn't walk that much. Mm -hmm. uh, Santana does. He has one of the best eyes in the game still. He is 38, right? And so there could, he could hit a wall and completely fall off. But if he does, well, it's kind of like we said with Joey Gallo last year, it's a one-year deal. You're not really losing that much anyway. So mm -hmm. yep. it is what it is. And I, this one, especially the, some of the reactions to it baffled me um, on a Twinkie town. We put up a post about it in the comments in there, just wild being like, wow, I can't believe the twins would trade Polanco for this and do all of this. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, first of all, just change your expectations, right? Because Carlos Santana isn't coming in to replace Jorge Polanco necessarily. He's coming yeah. in to be better than Jose Miranda. And yeah. so, mm -hmm. that you know, and then you have kind of like we talked about with Discofani versus Varland, right? Could they put up similar results? Maybe, but uh, Santana's done it for longer and you have some injury insurance if somebody gets hurt because Miranda will be at AAA ready to go. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and remember that Miranda was also terrible last year and with, um, kind of the opening day lineup, how things were shaking out. Either Larnick or Miranda was going to be in the opening day lineup as the starting DH, which was not ideal. And so with Santana, I think at least you get a little bit more of that top level um, potential if he's got you know one last good season in the tank. Yeah, it, and the reality is you're only paying him what five six million dollars, and uh, yeah, that money you got essentially for free. So. Yep. Even less so compared to the whole Joey Gallo deal. Like they could cut him in June and it would not matter at all. Yeah. So, and with 
the other thing with Carlos Santana is part of the pe reason people didn't like the Jorge Polanco trade is like, oh, he's a clubhouse leader. And side, side note, there's no evidence to support that. By all accounts, he's one of the quietest guys on the team. Carlos Santana, on the other hand, is a legitimate guy who's been around for forever. Everybody respects, respects him. He's fluently bilingual in Spanish and English, which is a big deal in baseball. And um, everybody loves the guy, right? Nobody ever has a bad thing to say about Carlos Santana. So if you want to talk about a real veteran uh, clubhouse presence, Carlos Santana does that way better than Jorge Polanco uh, could. Now, again, very different skill sets, very different things they bring to the table, but you have to look at this in the context of everything else that was going on. So essentially what it is, is you sent out Jorge Polanco. Mm -hmm. You got three guys who are going to contribute to the big league team this year in exchange for them uh, and two prospects on top of it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. again, you look at that all together. That's pretty freaking good, man. Yeah. And again, there's no expectation that Santana's going to be playing every single day, just like there was no expectation that Solano was going to be playing every single yeah. day. And so, I mean, the way the lineup works is when they're going to be facing a right-handed pitcher, you're going to see Carlos Santana, whether they're going to be facing a lefty, uh, or sorry, maybe it's the other way around. When they're facing way a around. lefty, yeah. yeah, you'll you'll see Carlos Santana in the lineup. When they're facing a righty, you'll likely see Alex Kirilov at first base, and Santana will likely be on the bench. So, yeah. again, it, it's not a situation of, like, it's a one-to-one -one replacement. The Twins are just basically trying to get better through the sum of, you know, everything that they got. And to me, yeah. that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because uh, again, they, they kind of have the big hitters in the lineup, pitchers uh, in the rotation that you already need, right? They don't, yeah. they probably would still like to go out and get another like two, three Joe Ryan or better type of starter, right? Yes. Um, I'm sure they would love to do that, but of course, that's really expensive to sign or trade for. Yeah. So if you kind of set that aside as its own thing, um, you know, it's just, I, I think they're doing a really good job here. You have, uh, Julian, you have Kepler, you have Correa and Buxton who should be healthy and better this year. Um, you know, and that's before getting into some of the guys that I think could still get a little bit better, like Jose Miranda, if he breaks out, if he starts hitting better, Royce Lewis, the postseason hero, uh, the Grand Slam master is probably going to regress a little bit, but it's still going to be a middle of the order, order bat. Yeah. Um, you, you have room where if Walner's not as good, if Julian's not as good, if Lewis is not as good, you still have other guys that were down last year, like Correa and Buxton that could step up and still make this offense really, really good like it was the second half of the season. Yeah. So Santana, I think, is perfect because he doesn't demand everyday playing time if you have other guys that leapfrog him, right? If mm -hmm. Jose Miranda is just crushing AAA or Trevor Larnick is crushing AAA and you need to bring him up, Carlos Santana is not going to prevent that, right? You're not mm -hmm. so committed to Carlos Santana um, that you won't call them up versus even if you look at like Joey Gallo last year and his 11 million, I think it took a long time for Walner to come up because they didn't just want to uh, – cut their losses on 11 million five is a different different situation well and the thing too is that you're the instead of you know joey gallo who was like a decent you know defender in in left field and, and yeah first ha, base has some other value he has some other value here but the the when we're really comparing carlos satana and let's just say jose miranda right you're comparing a 38 year old to a 26 year old right yeah. like yeah. those are very different comparisons than Matt Walner and Joey Gallo. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah to it, me, it just makes a lot of sense. And like, you know, the whole, like, you know, twins being poverty franchise, like we, you know, we like to throw that around 
a decent amount because again we're twins fans and we like to gripe about something but the reality is they didn't have 55 million dollars that they had last year right and so right. that's why they're making these deals and not going and signing cody bellinger because that's just not going to happen um yeah. but it's also why they probably weren't targeting you know some free agents like tiago hernandez or lordis guriel because the 20 million that they're going to shell up for that guy well they they just didn't have it right now so yeah and I, I think we, we talked about this earlier, right? They could make it if they wanted to. Like they, they traded out, they yep. traded out Polanco, then you trade out one of you know Kepler or Farmer or Vasquez with them, and mm-hmm. you're pretty much there, right? And yep. so they, they could have done it, but they chose instead to go quantity, which again with the top level potential that a lot of the other guys on the team already have, mm-hmm. I think that's a good bet to make right now. Yeah, I mean, you look at the guys who have who left, like you know, key free agents, so to speak, right? Sonny Gray, starter. Michael A. Taylor, basically a starter. Kenzo yep. starter. Donovan Solano, enough part-time play that he was kind of important to the team. Emilio Pagan, also somewhat like a, important in terms of like a roster spot. You know, they weren't necessarily just cutting him. So they basically lost five like guys who were just on their roster for the majority of the season, right? And so yep. you're not going to replace all of those guys in free agency. And by trading one player to get three guys who are going to contribute to the big league team, I think that's a big step towards, you know, going into the 2024 season. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean that they're done, but um, it, it it does put us in a better spot than we were at the beginning of the season or yeah. beginning of the offseason. Definitely. I, I would still expect them to um, do maybe one or two other things. I would still personally like to see Michael A. Taylor back. Mm-hmm. Um, even if Buxton starts, say, 130 games in center, which we all know he's not going to, um, you could still use another right-handed bat to hit against lefties, right? right now, uh, Cole Reagans is probably going to be the opening day starter for the Royals, and you have to throw out one of Walner or Julian or Kirilov in the lineup because you just don't have all the righties, right? And so if you mm-hmm. bring in Michael A. Taylor, basically that bumps Nick Gordon off the roster. Sorry, Nick Gordon, thank you for your service, but uh, he's a lefty who doesn't have that much to contribute right now because if you're going to throw a lefty into that lineup somewhere, um, you'd rather go with one of the other guys. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's kind of do a rundown really quick of the roster. So the starters, I think everybody kind of knows who that is. It's Julian Lewis, Buxton, Kepler, Correa. Um, right now, roster resource has Carlos Santana as the starting DH and then Walner, Jeffers, and Kirloff, right? Mm-hmm. So the DH, I think, will rotate a little bit, but that's kind of the general consensus. Then on the bench, you have Vasquez, Farmer, Gordon, and Castro. Uh, and so again, I, I still think I would like the Gordon spot to be upgraded essentially with mm-hmm. specifically Michael A. Taylor. Yeah. Um, but if there was someone like Adam Duvall, you know, that could work as well, or another trade out there, we kind of get another outfielder to throw in piece. I think that would be nice because again, you need a right-handed bat. You need someone who can play center because Buxton just isn't going to be able to do it all season. So there's nobody that makes more sense than Michael A. Taylor. And at this point, this far into the off season, you're probably looking at like seven to $8 million, which is totally reasonable for Michael A. Taylor, I would think. Um, rotation, you have Lopez, Ryan, Ober, Paddock, and Varland, Bullpen, Duran, Jax, uh, Stewart, Thielbar, Topa, Alcala, Funderburk, Discofani. Again, that that's pretty solid. Maybe one other reliever you get to bump Alcala or Funderburk to the minors to start the season. But um I would be totally comfortable with this as the opening day roster if it started now. And I still do think there's going to be more moves to come. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish that we had another number three starter because yeah, of my strong right. feelings on Chris Paddock, but um, 
I mean, even without strong feelings on Chris Paddock, I do think you need a little bit of insurance there because he's coming off of Tommy John, right? And so yeah. you saw with Maeda, there's probably just going to be a stretch where he just needs a couple of weeks off because his arm is tired. Yeah, he, had, he hasn't pitched in a year and a half, other than uh, you know the few innings he threw out of the bullpen last year. And so there's still that. Ober kind of needed that same thing as he was building up. Uh, Varland, I think you could see something similar with Ober just because they're uh, they don't have the same uh, you know longevity as. Uh, Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan. So I, I still think they could use another solid starter as well. But again, it's what, what deals are out there and what's that going to cost? Yeah, I, I'm looking at a free agent list right now. and uh, It's not pretty. There, there are some names on there. but Like uh, Snell, who I floated as a uh, sneaky twins candidate, is still out there. Hey, if he's willing to come here for like one year, $25 million, yeah, I I'd be okay with that. Um, not a long-term deal. But, no, definitely not. Not a chance. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, there's definitely some interesting names out there. Uh, and the Twins are still very much in position to compete, you know, in that, like we're talking about those those short-term deals, one to two years for, you know, one of these guys who yeah. maybe you don't expect them to do. But it also, but that being said, it's also the Twins. So I know there's been some rumors about trading for Hazel Cesardo. I don't yeah. really know. The, the steam behind that because I, I I legitimately don't know who the twins would want to trade for Jesus Cesardo. The centerpiece would have to be Brooks Lee, which by all accounts they they love Brooks Lee and they don't want to trade him. Exactly right. Like you're not going to trade one of your top three prospects yeah. for a guy who frankly has still has control issues and even though he has a, a, incredible stuff, uh, he has not reached the next level yet. Yeah. And he uh, yeah, I, never... I think it's more likely if there's a trade, it's a guy who is. Not as good as Luzardo, but maybe has potential, right? If you want to stay mm-hmm. in Miami, that's uh, Edward Cabrera, potentially, right? Sure. Who has even worse control issues than Luzardo, <laughs> but he strikes out a ton of guys. So, like, something like that, right, where you trade uh, Gabriel Gonzalez, for example, and maybe they're willing to give up Edward Cabrera because there's a, a lot of variation on both sides of that deal, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, my personal... It would be a lot of fun if we brought back Max Meyer, former Gopher, but he's yep. also recovering from Tommy John. So there's a lot of risk in that. <laughs> yeah, some of, some of the other names that I, I've seen around, right? Herman Marquez, I think would be a great sure. target, but he's recovering from Tommy John surgery. Yeah. So, um, there, it's well, you know what? That's the Twins. Not way. great, anyways. So yeah. yeah. And uh, honestly, uh, if we want to talk about you know comparisons, trades, all that good stuff, um, Corbin Burns, who just got traded to yeah. Baltimore, right? They, traded for nothing. <laughs> yeah, relatively nothing, right? Now, granted, they're still pretty good prospects, but from yes. Baltimore's perspective, with still the best farm system in baseball after trading out those two guys, yeah. um, I mean, it, it, was it was basically it was two top ten prospects. So yeah. we'll, we'll give them that. Dale Hall, like, is a decent pitcher, but no one knows what to do with him because he feels like his pitch mix is a reliever, but he wants to be a starter. Yada yada yada. Yeah. And then Joey Ortiz is like a decent shortstop. He, he's probably, uh, he probably could start in the majors, but again, with it's similar to Polanco with the twins where they have so many guys ahead of him and young guys, Gunnar Henderson, Jackson holiday, right. Two top prospects from the mm-hmm. last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and that's before getting into some of the veterans they still have on the roster as well. So right. there just wasn't any way for him to get playing time. So that swap makes sense versus the twins. If you're looking at something similar, right? Jesus Lazardo or Freddie Peralta. That's another one. If you want to stick with Milwaukee, where he's sure. going to cost very similar to Lazardo of someone who's very, very good uh, with two or three years of team control. It starts, the conversation starts with Brooks Lee. And I think the twins end it. If it has to include Brooks Lee. For exactly. That yeah. But if you can get something a little bit lower for a guy like uh, Gonzalez, 
that's something that I would very much entertain. And I think the twins would as well, but mm -hmm. you just don't know what's out there. And there's not a lot of teams that have um, starters. The twins would be interested in that are in a rebuilding mode that want a 20 year old who is very, you know, volatile. Yeah. And if we're really, really looking to the future, the reality is David Festa is going to make his major league debut this season. Most and likely. He, yeah. And I and, like Festa a lot. And yeah, he, he, pro, he slots in kind of as a number three, number four starter. Number three, I feel like is his more his ceiling. Yeah. Um, but that's a guy who again, gives you depth. If one of these guys goes down with injury or they're just kind of not performing super well, there is an opportunity to bring up Festa for, you know, a couple starts and we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And, uh, I, I again, will say that I, I'm really high on Joe Ryan this year. Um, sure. His pre-injury numbers were excellent. Even his post-injury numbers were better than you'd expect. And I've been hammering it home and I'll keep hammering it home until he figures it out. But if he just gets one secondary pitch that he is confident in, uh, he's going to be amazing, right? That fastball is that good. And so, yeah, um, yeah you saw it uh, coming out of the bullpen in Houston where he could just buckle down and basically just throw the fastball. Incredible. Great stuff. So, if he gets that splitter working, then it, it's game over. Yeah, the the problem is getting the splitter to work. So it worked against Houston in the playoffs. So. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see if it can happen. I mean, I haven't seen any uh, Joe Ryan went to driveline tweets yet, but um, mm. I would not be surprised. Well, in that, in that case, he probably hasn't, and it's all game over. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. Let's uh, get to our last talking po point here, which is the TV deal, which does, I think, a little bit relate to what the Twins are going to do from here on out. Um, but they have officially signed a deal to return to Bali uh, yeah. for one final year, essentially. Um, if you've been following along, basically the bankruptcy courts have been trying to figure out what's going to happen with the TV rights and everything that's going on for the teams that were still under contract with Bali, not uh, the Twins. But essentially the agreement everybody came to is we're going to do this one last year. And then afterwards, regardless of how long a rights deal you had signed, you're done, right? You're, you're free. You mm -hmm. can go do whatever you want. And so I think the main reason the Twins went back is one, it gets you the guaranteed payout for this year, which was a priority for them. But then two, um, next year, you have a big group of teams that are all kind of going to be looking together, right? So if you yeah. want to work with a number, another um, provider across that, I think it's like 16 teams, um, you have a little bit more negotiating power going into that as a group than the twins do right now individually and any individual um, solutions that intrigued them now, they'll still have available to them next year as well. So this always made the most sense once it was clear that uh, Bally wasn't going to completely go under, that they were still going to keep it going for at least one more year. I think this always made sense. The main question for the twins is how much money it'll specifically be. Mm -hmm. um, the ones that were under contract, they got uh, they kind of collectively agreed to 15% less their original below their original number yep. twin since they have a new deal. Um, we don't know exactly what that looks like. We should figure it out sometime next week as the final rulings from the bankruptcy court come out. Um, but that 15%, I think is a little bit optimistic for what the twins would be looking at. I think it's likely to be lower than that, but what do you think? I think it's going to be lower mainly because Bally had offered the twins something, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think the terms of, of that potential contract were ever truly discussed, but it was clearly low, low enough that the twins were like, nah, we're not going to go for that. Yeah. Um, now with the new Amazon money, does that mean that the deal is a little bit higher? That's right. what made the twins willing to do it? I, I honestly don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they offered them basically the same as that contract. Um, so, and I know that contract was like 
way more than 50% lower than the deal they had yeah. last year. So um, that all being said, I, I think the Twins are probably, yeah, going to get something maybe, I mean, last, I think, what, they were getting $55 million last year? Uh, I think it was, a, yeah, I think 55 was the number. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised if it's something more in the, the 40 range. Yeah, um, I, I think 30 to 40 is probably realistically what you're looking at, which again is, you know, if you were projecting 20 million from whatever individual option you're going to go with, that's still, mm-hmm. you know, 10 to 20 million more than you had otherwise. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think the question is, and this is something we're never going to know because we're not part of the Twins business operations, but mm-hmm. how much of that are they going to put back into the team? Right. Um, and I'd be skeptical if it happens. I obviously would be thrilled if it does, but I, I would be pretty skeptical just because, you know, I-, I can see the press release already of future financial uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I would love it if it does. If it does, I do think then you can legitimately get into the playing field of somebody like Montgomery or uh, Snell if you don't want to um, shell out prospects for a trade. Mm -hmm. So not that I think the Twins would commit long-term to either of those guys, but uh, if one of them is willing to come back on a one- or two-year deal, then um, not come back, but come in on a one- or two-year deal, then I think the Twins could be right in that mix with um, the money that they would have available to them. I just don't know, again, if uh, the poll ads are going to want to put that back into the team. Right. Uh, Spotrack currently has the Twins with a projected total payroll of $117 million. Um, I don't know what... I, I think that's pre some of these other moves. The Carlos Santana deal isn't official yet, and so I'm, I think that's not excluding that, because I remember seeing something about like 123 um, Okay, I think the one seven, on Spotrack, the 117 does include the, uh, the Santana deal for Interesting. Now. So maybe we're over uh, overestimating that. So maybe there's another what ten to fifteen million then in in that space. Yeah, potentially already, even without the extra TV money. Yeah. So I what was what were they saying that the payroll was going to be like one hundred thirty maybe? Yeah, the the range they gave was like one twenty to one forty, I think. So yeah. I think everybody kind of just assumed it was going to be in the middle at one thirty. Right. So if they have let's just say another twenty five million to play with, or you know, let's be generous, another twenty million to play with. Yeah. Um, that's not too bad. Yeah. Um, and, and again. I kind of pitched this with Sonny Gray, but if Snell's just really not finding something out there, you can do something similar where you get creative, where it's like, hey, let's throw a, you know, we're, we're only going to pay you $20 million this year because that's all we have. But next mm-hmm. year we have, a, you know, it's a $30 million team option or a $10 million buyout. Like, yeah, that buyout's high, but it's essentially how you push some of that money onto a future year. Right. And yep. so something like that maybe. But the other, the other thing and the reason I'd be skeptical of that happening is for Snell or Montgomery – I think either one of them is just going to take the biggest dollar figure they can get because mm-hmm. Snell's coming off a of Cy Young. If people aren't going to pay him a ton now, they're not going to pay him a ton next offseason. Right. And um, I think Montgomery's kind of in that same boat where he's coming off of the best season of his career by far, and it's it's not going to be better for him. And so why even if it's you know the max you can get is uh, – what was the Snell offer that he got from the Yankees? I think it was 160 over six, something like that. Um, even if that's the max – I don't think you would then be like, ah, I'm going to take 35 or 40 million for one year mm-hmm. and then test again next year. Because again, he just won the Cy Young. It's not going to get better than that. So Right. Yeah. He's not going to get more money as a result of his a season with the Twins. Right. He could win another Cy Young. And I still don't think it would be that different just because of the type of pitcher Snell is. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have any other thoughts on the uh, actually? Oh, sorry. I have one other note, which is part of the information that did get released uh, from this was that 
Bali still retains or Bali still retains the streaming rights for all the teams they're under contract with. So we don't know exactly what that means for the blackouts. The big thing the twins have been touting is that, Hey, no more local blackouts, right? Yeah. That That's going to be gone. That may not be the case anymore. However, with the Amazon deal being involved, it wouldn't be surprising to me if part of the reason Amazon came in was because they could stream locally. Right. Yeah. And so I- we, we, we don't know. And that's something we probably will find out next week again, once the bankruptcy filings are wrapped up. Yeah. I think from what I've read, basically don't expect the blackouts to go away in 2024, no. which would I, suck. But um, I probably agree with you. I would just say, we don't know what we don't know yet. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so um, I don't think there's any reason to assume they will still be there either. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I I'm hopeful that, it's just like, hey, anybody wants to watch the Twins on Amazon, you can watch them on Amazon because, hey, then I can uh, save some money on MLB.TV that I spend every year. So I already pay for Amazon. Um, anyway, I, I think that's everything I have on the TV deal. But did you have any last thoughts on it? Uh, I mean, it, it probably was the best uh, best deal they could get financially speaking. Um, so it does it suck that they're not going to be that there's a better chance that they're not going to be available on MLB TV for me. Yeah, that does suck. But, um, you know, if it means more money to better put a somewhat better product on the field, uh, which fingers crossed, hopefully the twins do. Um, I'm, I'm okay with that. I think, uh, I was looking at this roster with one of my friends and we were thinking like, you know, what's the win total here? Yeah. I said right now where it's at, where it's created and knowing the AL central and the rest of the rest of the league, yeah, it's probably an 83 win season, which probably is good enough for first in the AL Central. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I'd probably go higher because it's the team over like on top level is maybe a little bit worse than it was last year without Sonny Gray. But other than that, pretty much everybody's back. Um, the production they lost, other than Gray, again, yeah. can be replicated. And Gray was out there every five days. I'd probably put him more at like 90. Um, just because and you're theoretically getting full seasons of Julian and Lewis and Walner, um, yeah. Trey and Buxton shouldn't be, shouldn't be as bad as they were last year. And so I, I'd probably put it more at like 90 with, you know, a little bit higher potential and 83 kind of being more like bar. If everything goes poorly, they'll probably be down at 83. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, Fangraphs doesn't have their 2024 projected standings out yet, but, uh, um, it'll be interesting. It's interesting to see where they place the entire Ale Central because, uh, as a whole, well, I guess the the Royals have done stuff, but kind of as a whole, it's been pretty quiet. So yeah, definitely. Well, we will wrap up there. We will be back again uh, soon. I think I think we're tentatively planning on uh, two weeks from now, unless there's another big move between now and then. But um, that'll kind of be our rotation again as we're wrapping back up into season, and then season starts. We'll be back with you every single week. So. Uh, Again, thank you guys for listening. Please be sure to share with your friends, like, subscribe, all of the usual stuff uh, that helps the podcast grow. We really appreciate it. Um, And until we're with you next, go Twins.